never know what little weird idiosyncrasies of your life are going to be an important part of where your path goes forward. I got myself in that weird mindset of worrying about what the audience is going to think. Instead of just telling the audience, this is who I am and this is what excites me, that would have been the trueness of the story. If that's your strategy, you are missing out on so much between now and when you might eventually someday, if ever, draw one of those tags. The outer wrapper that people see is a lot different than what's inside the wrapper as far as what it takes to get there. Hey folks, Randy Newberg here with another episode of the Wild Initiative with me and Sam, and we're going to talk hunting, conservation, and who knows what else. Thanks for being here. Put down your latte and pull on your boots. I would rest at peace for eternity if my legacy was that I made a positive influence on the non-hunting public about what hunters are and what hunting is. I finally got my buck on our last real day of hunting. So a pro-hunting organization is voting against hunting. And that's as anti-hunting to me. There was a year straight where I was averaging up to 200 death threats a day. And I hugged it. Like, I just wanted to hug a bear. It's proven that the average steak in a grocery store touches 50 to 100 hands and machines. And we're putting that into our body. Hey, y'all, Cable Smith, host of the Lone Star Outdoors show here. This is Adam Weatherby. I'm Corey Jacobson with Elk 101. This is Christy Titus. Hey, folks, this is John Bear. You're listening to The Wild Initiative. Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of The Wild Initiative, brought to you as part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. All right, y'all, getting on to today's episode. I'm super excited to have this week's guest on, y'all. This has been three years in the making for me. Uh, Really, this man needs no introduction. He's the host of Fresh Tracks TV on Amazon Prime. He is one of the co-hosts of the Elk Talk podcast with Corey Jacobson, and he is the host of Fresh Tracks with Randy Newberg, the one and only... 
Randy Newberg, y'all. I have been uh, working to get Randy on for, I mean, really since the first year I started the podcast. His was one of the first podcasts that I started listening to. Always loved the tips, tactics, and the stories that came out of it. Randy is an incredible advocate for the outdoors, for public land hunting, and just really an all-around great guy. So I am super excited to have him on. Um, I've been bugging him for quite a while, uh, but you know, there's very few people out there that spends more time in the woods than Randy Newberg. And so uh, his free time is at a premium. I really appreciate him taking the time to come on. So without further ado, y'all enjoy this week's episode with the one and only Randy Newberg. Um, you know, I'll tell you every time you're going to get kicked out of this story. Every time I hit the record button on this device, mm-hmm. I think of you Uh-oh. because when I first started listening to hunting podcasts back in the day, um, you know, I, I had a buddy suggested a few and he's like, Oh, you know, you should listen to gritty and you should listen to, um, the rich outdoors. And you should listen to Randy Newberg and Jay Scott and all these, and you know, he gave me like the list, <laughs> um, and I remember one of the, I mean, it probably had to be first handful of episodes of your show I ever listened to. Uh, you you sat and you talked about how you forgot to hit the record button. You recorded an entire podcast without oh, yeah. hitting the record button. From then on, like, that just stuck in my head and I've been so paranoid. Oh, yeah. Knock on wood, I've never not hit the record button. But there will be times like halfway through the episode, I'll look down. Oh, I always do now. And, and <laughs> for some reason, it just won't look like it's recording and you, your stomach drops. Yeah, <laughs> no, you, get the, you feel this big pulse of panic adrenaline. One other time, uh, I double punched the record button. Uh, and I had uh, Jonathan Hart from Sitka, uh, Jared Frazier from uh, 2%, 2% for Conservation, and who was there from First Light? Uh, I'm trying to remember. One of the First Light people yeah. was there. And we're, this is really good stuff. I mean, I got two competing clothing companies who share this conservation vision on the same podcast. That was, I think that was the episode. Was I think okay. that was the one, yeah. And uh, I looked down, and when it dawned on me, I'm like going like, waving my hands and they're looking at me like does randy got to go to the bathroom or what i said uh folks i hate to tell you this i double punched the button and we got 40 minutes that didn't get recorded i was so embarrassed but you know if you do enough of them something's gonna happen it's kind of like when you're out hunting the guy who says oh i never miss well you either haven't shot much or you're full of crap so, hey, I appreciate you having me here. No, of course. I'll you know, tell you what. So you want to know what's funny? I'm down at TAC in Salt Lake City. So you and I bumped into each other at TAC up here in Big Sky. Yeah. It seems like that's where we always connect. Uh, I go to Salt Lake City, and this family of people are standing around. And when I finally get to them, uh, the mother or the wife says, my husband has a favor of you, but he's too embarrassed to ask. <laughs> I'm like, well, what's that? I'm pretty much game for anything. And uh, she says he wants to change his voicemail message and have you record it. 
I'm like, sure, give me your phone. So he punches everything, and, you know, it says at the beep, record your message. I'm like, hey, folks, Randy Newberg here. I am, you know, I can't remember his name, Tyler or something. I'm Tyler's secretary for the day. You know the drill. Leave a message. He'll call you back when he's not hunting. Bleep. And the whole family, they were like, oh, that's the greatest whatever birthday present or whatever dad got this year. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, some of the the number of people who ask to officiate weddings, and it's like, you people have no idea how below average I am. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you folks were sitting here with Sam and I right now looking at this messy office that we've outgrown, this used to be my CPA firm this building i was kind of i was kind of curious yeah. i was kind of curious so, about that but when the cpa firm outgrew this building they moved up on the north end of town and i kept this suite one of my partners kept that suite and uh, okay so i thought well this will last me forever we had five employees when we moved in here now we're up to 12 so we're building a new office <laughs> we'll have a podcast studio there oh yeah so i mean it's 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 a good problem to have if you're gonna have a problem yeah, it it is. It's just I you know I'm I'm 56 and I've told my wife she so she thinks that every time I say this it's because I'm ready to drop another dumb idea on her. I always tell her, well, next year's going to be more sane. You know, we'll have the building <laughs> built. We'll have the blah blah blah. And she just looks at me like, you know what? I've heard that every year that we've been married. <laughs> and it gets less sane every year. I'm like, I'm sorry, honey. Thanks for hanging in there with me. <laughs> so I'll tell you another funny coincidence. Uh, you know, and I just I just forgot about this until you mentioned that the CPA firm is uh-huh. uh, several years ago. It was pretty much my first time back to Montana since I've been an adult. Like the last time I was in Montana, you know, I think it was for a flash in the pan. I was visiting Yellowstone. I was like six yeah. years old or something. <laughs> a family road trip. It was very National Lampoons. Um, <laughs> my mom's my mom's probably rolling her eyes at me right now. But to some extent, it was. We saw a a, a family of tourists put their toddler on a on a bison. Uh, oh no! Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, that's not going to turn out yeah, good. It's one of those stories. I've told it. I probably on the podcast a million times. But it's one of those stories. You think back and you're like, you know, I'm I'm so young. You like. Maybe I made it up, and you, like you've told it so many times, you can yeah, picture it. And I, right. finally, I went to my folks. I'm like, "Did this actually happen?" They're like, "Nope, that happened exactly." <laughs> yeah, whole family. They legit put their toddler on so they could oh take my pictures. Gosh. But, um, but so my first time back to Montana as an adult, I'm you know on a road mm-hmm. trip. I'm just coming through, and I'm spending some time in Bozeman. And uh, I go to uh, get some breakfast downtown somewhere, and I'm just sitting next to this family, and I'm working away, and I you just make conversation. I can't help but make conversation with everyone mm-hmm. else, and um. And one of the guys, he's like, you know, my boss, he's he's kind of does a bunch of hunting stuff too, and I think he's got a podcast. All the, oh, because we had talked about it at my podcast. I think he's got a podcast. And I'm like, oh, what do you what do you do? And he's like, uh, oh, I'm I work at a CPA firm. I'm like, oh, I think I know who that is. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, have you ever heard of Randy Newberg? I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I've, I've talked with him. I've talked with him a bunch of times. Or Landon, or I mean, uh, Landon. Okay. Yeah. So Landon, if you're listening, I think I think he's listened to a couple episodes of the podcast. But Landon, if you're listening, shout out to you for, <laughs> for that. Yeah, actually, Landon's probably saying, you know, Randy offered to sell me one of his bows, and he hasn't sold it to me yet. <laughs> so Landon, if you are listening, I still haven't got my replacement bow. So 
That's why you haven't been able to buy the one that's over here in the corner. So, but yeah, yeah it's, it's weird, you know, being a CPA for as long as I was, I, I sold my partnership interest a few years back and, uh, worked as a, as a contract employee for him. Uh, and then last summer I kind of said, you know what, and I'm, I'm down to one client now, but the amount of things I did in the outdoor space that were super helpful for being a CPA. <laughs> I, well, the number one thing was my beaver trapping. So I grew up beaver trapping, muskrat, whatever I needed to do to make some extra money. So here in the valley, before it got really crowded and and just hectic like it is today, but in the 90s, uh, all these ranchers and farmers found out there was a CPA that would come and trap your beaver for you. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up with so many ranch and farm family clients because of my beaver trapping. That and, is so funny. That's like, it, you would never think like how that would, that would cross over. Yeah, well, then a bunch of doctors live over here near the hospital where Sourdough Creek goes through. And they all, they're, they're scattered, you know, over a four or five mile section there in the neighborhoods. And one doctor uh, who was a client, I went and trapped his beaver. Well, he starts telling all the other doctors, well, this guy will take care of the beaver problem. So I ended up with all kinds of medical practices as <laughs> clients because of my beaver trapping. So you never know what paths or, you know, what little weird idiosyncrasies of your life are going to be an important part of your, where your path goes forward. So, oh yeah, I'm, I'm sure when I was 14 years old, trapping beaver out on the Pine Island State Forest of Northern Minnesota, if you would have told me that that would have been one of my better recruiting tools in a, an accounting <laughs> firm. I've never belonged to a country club. I don't own a pair of golf clubs. I don't, I don't do any of the normal <laughs> things. How do, how do I go and do business development? No, I have a sign, have traps, we'll travel. <laughs> I mean, you know, in my, in my late 20s, early 30s, if you had told me that this bachelor party I was going to in Vegas where we were going to end up at, at the gun store shooting, shooting all kinds of guns, <laughs> I mean, I shot guns prior to that. It was fun, but uh -huh. like, that's what I really credit for getting me into firearms and then into hunting and, and into this really? and the other. It was like, <laughs> it was me in a three-piece suit, away, <laughs> smoking a cigar, shooting fully automatic weapons. If you'd told that guy back then that he would be out here in Montana, like, hunting, running his own business, doing all this stuff, like, it would... Again, you never know what, like, yeah, like you said, what little weird decisions or idiosyncrasies or paths mm -hmm. you take are going to completely change your trajectory. Yeah. So that's why I tell people, do whatever you think is interesting and is pleasurable because you'll enjoy it, you'll be good at it, and you'll meet some interesting people along the way. Oh, yeah. So. Well, I mean, that's why I started this whole thing is, like, yeah. I was in, wanting to get into hunting. Hmm. I was like, well, crap, I'm living in Los Angeles at the time, and... I, you know, I'm working in the music industry and in advertising. I'm like, I don't know anybody that does this. And, yeah. you know, I was fortunate enough to meet, meet one guy. Uh, he was actually my, my second ever podcast guest. Uh, but, you know, he kind of 
put me in the right direction. Yeah. But I, you know, I didn't have a community of hunters to figure out. Oh, I suppose there it's. So I'm like, screw it. I'm going to build my own community. And if I'm going to build a community, <laughs> I'm going to build it with the best dang people I know. And so oh, <laughs> I'm like, well, that's funny. how can I, how can I just reach out to people and be like, Hmm, I want to ask you pointed questions about this thing. I want to learn for the next hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> how long were you in LA? Uh, I mean, I, I was there up until about three years ago, okay. something like that. Huh. Um, I didn't yeah. know that. I, uh, yeah, I lived in Los Angeles for the majority of the time. I was running the podcast and all that when we first when mm-hmm. we first met. Because I think Corey Jacobson initially introduced us yep. via email. I, I'd, I'd been introduced to him by someone else, and, um, mm-hmm. and you know, he was one of my earlier podcast guests as well. And I was like, hey... Um, do you think you could like introduce me to Randy Newberg? <laughs> <laughs> All you gotta do is hang out at the Daily Coffee Bar in Bozeman or the Dairy Queen on North Seventh, and the odds are you're gonna get a chance to bump into me. Well, I remember, I remember that same road trip where I was in Bozeman. I was like, "Well, okay, I'm in Bozeman. I have to go to Randy Newberg's Dairy Queen one time." <laughs> And I posted a picture and I tagged you in it, and I think you either commented or you shared it or something, and. I fanboyed so hard. I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, Randy Newberg like commented on one of my posts. <laughs> uh, we, Sam, we should have had my wife on this podcast because she would have just what you just said there. She would have rolled her eyes and said, "This guy is so below average. Why would anybody get excited about talking to him or meeting him?" Let me tell you. She'd say, "Let me tell you about Randy." She'd lean forward and, and say, "You want to know about Randy?" And my whole gig would be up. She, she tell the truth about what a kind of slow-minded below average dude i am but you know what if that's what works i guess right now well we're going with that stick right now well so so then average guy Mm -hmm. below average guy Mm -hmm. but i'm looking around you know we're in the office here yeah. I'm seeing a lot of elk and quite a few muleys, and mm-hmm. I've seen a nice pronghorn and a big old moose on the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what, what the hell? How does a, how does a below average guy <laughs> get out in the woods like this and see all this kind of success? You just don't give up. That, that, uh, my wife would say that my best skill in life is my bullheadedness, determination, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I I grew up in a little logging town of 500 people called Big Falls, Minnesota, way up near the Canadian border. And at the time, you know when you grow up somewhere, you're like, oh, I can't wait to get out of this place, or I'm going to this, or I'm going to that. Little did I know that growing up there always having to prove yourself i don't care like when we'd go play sports at one of the we were always the smallest school the smallest group of people and so you kind of just accepted the fact that life isn't very easy you know whatever you want you better go and work for it and get after it and for jobs i mean None of us got to go to summer camps or anything like that. You're working out in the woods or you're stacking lumber at the sawmill or I had a lawn mowing route before they'd let me work in the woods. And then I had a contraband firework stand. <laughs> I, <laughs> I had a bait shop. I was self-employed from about the age seven. Uh, and so anything that I've been able to accomplish, you know, when you look around here or whatever, uh, it's not been due to 
immense levels of skill. It's just been because I'm like, if you tell me I can't do it, my wife is like, oh, no, don't tell him that. <laughs> that means he's going to try to do it. So, Well, that's what, that's uh, what I should have. I should have been like, I, I, bet you, I bet you can't come on my podcast. I bet you can't get on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's what you should have said, Sam. There we go, y'all. So if you're trying to, so if trying to get time wonder, with Randy. Sam and I have bumped into each other, I don't know how many times in the last few years. And because we built two podcasts, and the topic can come up and I'd tell him, send me an email and I'll try to fit it in my calendar. And, uh, I'm sorry. Jim. It took this <laughs> long. I got to give you a little bit of grief about it, but I, as I say, I am not, not butthurt at all yeah, about it but. because like you're talking about, uh, it takes stubbornness and consistency to be successful. And you, I mean, I think anybody that has been following you for a while knows you are probably in the woods during the year more than, yeah. Just about anyone else on this earth. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm blessed that you know I was looking at the calendar this year. We throttled back a little bit, uh, but I leave. And again, uh, throttled back means what for you? Uh, this, this year it means that between August fifteenth and December thirty first, I've only got about eighty four. I think eighty five nights uh, out of town uh, in uh. in a tent. Uh, and that was by design. Um, last year with COVID and everything, it was so complicated trying to produce content in other states mm -hmm. because everybody's having to go get tested. You know, you got to be tested and have a, a negative test before you can go. So we're shuffling this and juggling dates and we ate a couple tags and I'm like, you know what? I just don't, I don't do this for that kind of insanity. I do this to have a smile on my face every day. And uh, so we throttled back. We we dropped probably two or three hunts this year compared to last year. But last year was the all-time peak. We couldn't have picked a worse year to decide, yeah. all right, we're going to really put our foot on the <laughs> gas. Uh, so, well, so how many tags was last year? Um, I think we did 17 trips last year <laughs> among all of us. <laughs> Yeah, I know. So, and that's even with canceling Oregon Roosevelt elk. Uh, hey. And, but fortunately, you know, I've, I'm blessed to have people like Marcus and Michael, and and you know, they are carrying the load of hosting some of the some of the content now. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll see how this year goes. We're, we're the goal is to do. Fewer trips, slightly fewer, but still a lot. Most people, like my wife, she comes upstairs. I have the calendar on my <laughs> one of my whiteboards up in the at my house. I have what's called the Randy Room, uh, and my calendar's up there so that she knows what it is. And she comes up there and she looks at it, and she doesn't say anything. <laughs> she just folds her arms across her chest and hmm. And she turns and walks away. And that's that's the annual realization of what she's in for. Of, well, this guy's not going to be around very much. And when I see her leave after that expression she makes, it's like, you know, I better let her just cool down for about an hour or two. I'll, <laughs> I'll stay up here in my own little cubicle. 
But hop uh, on the flower delivery website real quick for a minute. <laughs> there you go. Hey, honey, can I get you something? Uh, but no, it's that's what a year looks like for us. We usually end up leaving on the road mid August somewhere, and you know we'll we'll wrap it up. Oh, early December, take some time off over the Christmas New Year, and then. We always go to Arizona for javelina or quail or something. Um, <laughs> we're, we're, we'll find something to do. Oh yeah. So, well, and it's you know we were talking earlier, and I'm sure you know people hear that that you know I mean shoot they hear about seven tags versus seventeen and the yeah. and what we were talking about earlier. It's like how often do you get the well. <laughs> must be nice yeah oh, i get that a lot uh <laughs> and it is nice i, I mean i i, I am blessed <laughs> yes, yes yes it is nice i, I am nice. absolutely blessed i make no you know i don't deny that at all uh but you you asked me what my schedule looks like before we turned on the mics and i said well personally i have seven tags i have eight but i'm turning back my colorado deer tag because it conflicts with my son's nevada elk tag uh but you know when you live in montana you automatically get deer and elk Mm -hmm. so that that accounts for you know whereas people who live in some other state say nevada or new mexico or you know someplace utah you got to draw everything well in Montana, we're we're blessed. We're going deer and elk hunting no matter what. So, uh, yeah, in Montana though, this year, this is when I usually get the roll of the eyes of the it must be nice. I drew Shira's moose and mountain goat this year in Montana, <laughs> same year. And I tell people, well, I know what you're thinking, but if I really had the key to the computer deck there, uh. It wouldn't have taken me 30 years to draw a moose tag. <laughs> and I would have had a sheep tag a long time ago if I had the, mm-hmm. the code, so to speak. Uh, but I get it. I make, you know, I, I, I am, I'm blessed. I'm, I'm the luckiest guy I know. And I wake up every morning. My job is to try and prove that I'm the luckiest guy on the planet. And so far, I think, you know, I'm, I'm doing a pretty damn good job proving that every day, I think. But, uh, so, I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, you've also, and again, here's the thing, 30 years, you've put in your time. Oh, yeah. You've you worked as a CPA for a long time, and it kind of <laughs> has the benefit of it It leaves you it leaves you pretty damn open for, for yeah. the fall season. Like, No, it, it does. And that your was, spring season probably gets was, a little bit rough. <laughs> yeah, it's ugly in the spring, but that was by design. My wife will always tell people he would have not become a CPA if hunting season was in the spring or tax season was in the fall. <laughs> exactly, darling. I I knew that if you get into the tax side of the accounting world, you get 75 to 80% of your work done by April 15th. Mm-hmm. And my wife loves to fish. So when our son was younger, she said, we're fishing 60 days of summer. I'm like, all right, put them on the calendar. Let's see if we can do it. And we did it quite a few summers. Yeah. And then in the fall, you get a lot of other flexibility and freedom. So very often I get the comment of, man, I'd like to have your job. Or what do I do to get your job? Talking about hunting mm-hmm. so much. I said, well, the first thing you do is have a really good day job and keep it. You know, I most people don't realize that 
I worked two jobs for the longest period of time, and then I started scaling back at the CPA firm probably 10 years ago, uh, and but still had my share of demands. Uh, my wife, to her credit, always said, or she, we made a commitment when we started these platforms in 2008 that this would not become our livelihood. She said, if this becomes your livelihood, you're going to grow to hate it. And if you grow to hate it, that's not going to work. <laughs> so I promised her, all right, I'll keep working my other job and do this at the same time. Uh, and then we had a deal that when all of our other sources of income were enough to replace the CPA world, uh, that I'd walk away from that. And uh, unfortunately, this isn't one of those sources of income yet, Sam. I'm, I'm still working on it. <laughs> this is, when we have our quote-unquote board of directors meeting at the end of every year, She'll look at the financial statements and say, would you tell one of your CPA clients to do this? Don't ask that question, honey. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I could do it differently and I could probably make money at it. But for me, it's about growth and trying to accomplish the things we want to do. If we were in the other rooms, you'd see on the whiteboards, it says what we're supposed to do every day. And in the big letter, it just says to promote self-guided public land hunting and create advocates for that cause. I mean, what an easy job. <laughs> you got to promote public lands, promote hunting, and create advocates for conservation and access and hunting. Well, that's a hell of a deal. Heck yeah. <laughs> uh, I think people, you know, and I've probably talked about this a bunch on the podcast too, is I think people get this assumption that yeah, they make this assumption that you know people like you or even like Corey or ryan or um brian call or you know any of these people that their entire job is to all they have to do is just go out and hunt and everything just magically happens and all you do is you hunt and you skin your animals and you eat food and you sit back and that's just living the life and um yeah. <laughs> I would bet that I've taken maybe five or six days off so far this year. <laughs> and I haven't even been out hunting this year. That's how much goes on behind the scenes. Uh, but, you know, I, I get that unless you live what, you know, the daily life of what it takes to produce all this content, you're, it's not. Yeah, I don't expect people to understand how how much work it is just like you know someone else has whatever job i don't understand how much I, i'm like well how could he not have that done already well i'm <laughs> I, I, you know i don't do his daily work so i don't understand what all goes into it and how much planning and training and uh, you know experimenting and blah 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 so i get it but you're right. It's <laughs> well, so know, the, many... the, the facade, the, yeah. the 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 outer wrapper that people see is a lot different than what's inside the wrapper as far as what mm -hmm. it takes to get there. Well, and it's it's so romanticized too. And like you said, your wife was like, "I don't want this to be our sole source of income because then it's going to ruin." It. And you know, I mean, this isn't even like. <laughs> <laughs> to call this a source of income for me would be a, a laugh. Yes, yeah, some, sometimes money comes in, but it very rarely is more than <laughs> what goes out for this. 
And, you know, you, you know, even for me, like I'll go out and it's really hard to just go on a fishing trip. Mm -hmm. Like very hard because in the back of your head, you're always thinking like, well, I should probably at least be getting some photos or maybe taking a little bit of a video. So, you know, I can just make sure I have some extra and, and I just, uh, just got back from the tobacco roots a couple of days ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had a friend come into town and, um, I, I feel felt guilty enough cause I, <laughs> I had missed hanging out with her the last few times she's been around and she's like, all right, if I come up, we're going camping, we're going fishing. Yeah. <laughs> and so we went up to the tobacco roots and caught a bunch of cutthroats and, cool. um, had a great time. And, you know, I took a few photos here and there, mostly just fish selfies and stuff, mm -hmm. but I told myself, I'm like, if I'm going to go up and do this, I'm going to hang out with my friend. We're going to drink a shit ton of beer. We're going to fish. And I'm not going to worry about, like, quote, unquote, right. creating content. Yeah. And, I mean, fortunately, she took a bunch of pictures because she does the same thing. So. Okay. But it was nice. It was just nice to actually go fishing for once. And I think sometimes it's easy to stress yourself out about doing okay. something you love. Yeah, I, I definitely could do that. Um, for me, there's a couple things I really love about the job, uh, or the, you know, the situation I find myself in. I love the people. Mm -hmm. I, I, uh, you know, like you see me at tack and I'm just like wading into the crowd, man. I love this. This is, you know, hearing everybody's story and hearing how excited they are for what they're going to do this fall and how much hunting means to them or their family. I just, oh man, I, that, that's one of the highlights of what I get to do. Whereas I understand that for a lot of people in my situation, when they do their quote unquote appearance at a booth or something, they're like heading to the hotel room, lock the door and you know, <laughs> give me some downtime. I'm just wired differently. I'm kind of a goofball. Uh, I love that part of it. I do love hunting, uh, but I, I also love storytelling. And I think what a, a lot of people probably don't realize is we and our stuff and, and a lot of other people who'd produce stuff, it's more about telling the story than it is, oh, I shot a big one or, you know, mm -hmm. I made this shot or whatever. Uh, like the only person working here today is Marcus. He's over in one of the other offices and he's working on storylines. You know, we're working on production books. Uh, what's the storyline? Because when you go out there, my first trip of the year is archery meal deer in Nevada. Well, they haven't, the deer haven't read the script. <laughs> so maybe you'll luck out and there'll be deer everywhere. But there may not be. So what's the storyline? What's the landscape story? What's the people story? What's the species story? Or maybe we just work our butts off and we get one good stock and I blow it. Okay. What's the story? So we have like these ideas of how do we pivot here or there. Uh, and every day we get up. You know, it's here's the shot list of things. Here's the parts of the story we got to get today. So I suspect people think we just pull up to the trailhead, throw our packs on it, and let's go hunt. And somebody turn a camera on. Not at all. Not, not, <laughs> not even close. But you wouldn't, again, you wouldn't know that if you didn't come and watch what we do. So I, 
I completely understand a part, you know, it's our, my fault or the, you know, our business's fault that people see it the way they do. We, we design it that way. We don't want to show them all the gory details of downloading footage and charging batteries and, you know, talking shots this way or this shot or who got the time lapse or did we get a transition for this or, oh, the audio was really bad on that segment. We got to find a, you know, some sometime today we got to get some better audio they don't want to hear all that they want it to look seamless and smooth and hey thanks for you know (laughs) making me laugh for 40 minutes or showing me a cool adventure so you know that's that just comes with how it is so yeah it's so much production involved but i mean shoot I, I'm well aware of it. And sometimes, you know, you'll watch, you'll watch one of those, you'll watch somebody else's film and you'll kind of know in the back of your head, you'll be like, Oh, I see what they did right there. Yeah. Like, or that happened or. Yeah. It, you do watch content differently when you do this. I, I even see myself watching, you know, occasionally my wife will say, Hey, I want to watch his show or this, whatever it is. I'm like, okay. So I plop down on the couch and watch it with her. And now I just look at it differently. I'm like, oh, I wonder what lighting they're using. Like, oh, I can't see any mic on that person. I wonder what audio system they're using. And and when they're doing breaks or transitions, I'm in something. You know, I'm trying to think of what they're doing, and uh, it just it causes you to look at it differently. But I suppose every profession, you know, if you're a doctor, you probably look at somebody the way they're limping, like. I wonder what's wrong with them. You know, I'm like, oh, he must have a burr under his <laughs> under his heel. The doctor's probably like, well, this is dot dot dot. Yeah. Well, or the mechanic. You know, he hears me driving my clunker with two hundred thousand miles, and I'm like, hmm, sounds to me like I got something wrong under there. He's mm-hmm. probably listening to it. Like, well, I'm sure it's this. It well, it could be that. So you know, yeah, it's just what your daily life is you're going to see things differently. And that's why I think people are such a cool curiosity to me is I want to know what was everybody's life experience that brought them to the point that this is the lens through which they see the world today. Well, and that's so much of what I try and do with my podcast. And, you know, we kind of just started in and we got, we got some, some of that, but like, I usually always just start out and I ask them, I'm like, what brought you here? Like, how did you, like, because from my perspective, I came at it late in life. Mm-hmm. I wasn't introduced to it till later in life. And so it fascinates me hearing from other people how they were introduced to hunting. And, you know, I mean, so often you hear the same story. Like, well, you know, I walked through the woods with my granddaddy's gun and my dad and, yeah. you know, shot squirrels and did this and that. And then other people were like, you know, completely out of the, out of the blue, different ways, uh, introduced through a friend or came back from the military or this or that or a hundred different ways. And it gives you such a cool perspective, like you said, on the, on their lens and how they experience hunting and life and how they take it in and how they portray it to other people and how they connect with other people about hunting. And, the, but then still how they can be so different from me mm-hmm. and I can completely connect. I mean, like, I grew up on the you, you grew up in northern Minnesota. Yeah, I grew up in Southern California, uh, effectively ten minutes from the beach. You know, I, I <laughs> like 
the slightly different climates right, here, yeah. different experiences, situations. I mean, yeah. I did summer camps. I did, you know, I grew up on a cul-de-sac in yeah. a, in a suburb. Right. Completely different, but that that's those things, Sam, intrigue me because every one of those events along the way, and you know, whatever it is we do that piques our interest, or the people we meet who get us to look into this activity or that activity, all of that becomes this cumulative thing that that is Sam, and that's how he sees the view of the world at this point. And if there's one thing I've come to learn in my years on this planet is the way the lens that I saw the world through when I was 24 is way different then than it is now, just because I've had the benefit of, you know, another 32 years of life experiences Mm -hmm. that are going to make me see things or listen to things or, you know, try to understand something or I've tried something and failed or I've had a success or I, I had a very, you know, tough period of my life that caused me to think about this or think about that. And, you know, it's the, those are the stories that I'm interested in. And so we try to figure out how do we take that storytelling idea of building the life experiences that got this person, whether it's our guest or whether it's one of us, to see it the way the audience is seeing it right now. So that's why sometimes you might hear the, you know, sounds like grandpa telling the story is uphill (laughs) both ways, right? You know, Uh, but we're trying to build some perspective uh, that gives the audience the understanding of, oh, this is why Randy is so worked up about our tree meal deer, or whatever it might be, or why this landscape is so interesting to him, or why it's so important to him that he gets to hunt once a year with his son or with one of his friends or one of his uncles or something. So those end up being stories that I think people are attracted to, maybe not, but that's the way we do it. If ever they quit watching, I guess I'll have to make up my mind if I'm going <laughs> to fold the tent, sell the cameras, and ride off into the sunset. Well, so do you ever really get to hunt anymore? Just it's Once just a, a hunt? Once in a while, I do. Like, uh, my son loves to waterfowl hunt. And when he comes back to Montana, often over the Christmas holiday, uh, no cameras. We just go waterfowl hunting. Uh, my wife, if she is going to hunt, she likes to grouse hunt. Okay. Um, she used to do a lot of big game hunting, but now she's, it's mostly grouse hunting. No cameras. So, And every once in a while, I'll just go out by myself. Like last year, I tried to film my own elk hunt. Uh, I made all kinds of mistakes. Should have shot. I had many chances to shoot a bull, and I... Yeah, don't need to go into those details. <laughs> Got my mind all messed up about what I was there for and, uh, you know, put unrealistic pressures on myself. But Well, I mean, uh, I think, if you don't mind, I think that's a good thing to talk about. Yeah, I, I think new so people coming it, into the woods. This is me. So I'm filming an elk hunt in central Montana, and I start building a story around this one elk I've seen a couple times. And he's a very nice bull, but he hangs it's like he has a mapping system somewhere where he knows where the public and private is 
And every time I had to climb up on this knob to glass much of anything, Mm -hmm. which takes me further away from where he would hang out. And I'd see him. And by the time I could get over there, he's went the 150 yards and he's now on private. Mm -hmm. And he drops off this bench and I, I can't see him on the private, but I know it's private once you drop off that bench and he's down in there somewhere. So I'm doing that for a few days. He and I are playing cat and mouse. And then I see the last evening. And so this is another thing. My my wife and I are putting our dog down at this time. Dog's 18 years old. She calls me up on the mountain. We got to put the dog down. So in my head, now I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. gosh, I, you know, this is my wife's companion while I'm gone. And so my mind is kind of polluted with other stuff. But. Here comes three bulls walking off this ridge, cross from private onto public. And I'm like, oh, man. It was a, a raghorn, a five-point, and a small six-point. Not anything huge, but I'd have been happy with any of them. And uh, here's where my mind goes. It's like, well, now the audience is going to think I shot one of them just because I felt the pressure to fill a tag well, what about this really big six-point you've been playing cat and mouse with all week? So I'm sitting there going through this mental gymnastics, worrying about what's the audience going to think. Whereas I should have just looked at the camera and said, look at that. You know I'm a man of opportunity, and opportunity is walking my direction. See you later. Follow Mm me. But no, I sat there. And I sat there, and I'm going through this mental exercise. And then I realized that, you know what? I don't think that big boy's coming out before dark. And I look, and now those three bulls have kind of made a loop. And if they start heading back the to my right, which would be my east, they're going to be back on private again. And so I look at it, it's like, you know what? I don't think I can get there and cut them off in time. So how stupid is that, right? I Instead of hunting for myself and just going out there, and when those three bulls came out, I'll tell you, Sam, I have the Randy Newberg core of his hunter and who he is. I wanted to run over that ridge, get across that bench and shoot one of them because they were coming into a mile and a half by mile wide section of public. Mm. And they were, they'd come off the northeast corner and they're slowly working their way. They're not in any hurry. No hurry. Feeding. I haven't seen another hunter all week where I'm at. And uh, completely undisturbed. I should have shot one of those. I, but I got myself in that weird mindset of worrying about what the audience is going to think. Instead of just telling the audience, this is who I am and this is what excites me, mm-hmm. that would have been the trueness of the story. Yeah. But instead, I started overthinking it. And so, end up not filling that tag. <laughs> I, uh, I'll tell you, I this last year, I finally got my first elk. Um, cool. I mean, it's my fourth elk season. Uh, drew Arizona on three points. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I, I didn't believe it. I had to, I had to like, call a few people and be like, okay, Is this for real? does this mean what I think it means? They're like, yeah, dude. <laughs> um, archery or rifle? Uh, archery. 
Oh, wow. And, uh, and <sighs> I tell you what, it was the worst rut Arizona's had in 17 yeah. years, according was, to Fishing Game. No, but, it was a tough year, drowning okay. it out as it was last year. And there's, there's one thing I've learned about my Arizona hunts is that if it's going to happen, it's going to happen on the very last moment of the very last day. <laughs> I, feel, I, I shot my first deer in Arizona. All of these are archery. I shot my first deer in Arizona, and it happened again, like, the last 20 minutes of shooting light on the very last day of the hunt. Wow. Shot my javelina in Arizona with my bow. The very last day, we've made, like, I had somebody in the grocery store recommend a spot to me and we drove all the way out there me and my buddy and it was like the last kind of ditch effort on the last day uh we just weren't having any luck with them they kept disappearing yeah see one lone javelina just walking across <laughs> and it was like the last boat of the last day and then my elk i was out there with with john stallone and mm. we were just grinding and grinding every day and it was just none, they would talk a little bit in the morning but they just were not aggressive. They just wanted to pick up their cows. And, like, you, you would call to one of them. He'd be like, screw this. Pick up his cows, and he'd be gone. Yeah. He'd be the next ridge over. Hmm. And, we, I mean, we were just chasing him, chasing him, and chasing him. And then finally, like, the last day, and it was my last day with him. And, I mean, I could have I could have figured it out and stayed a few more days. Yeah. Um, but uh, it was, like, my last day with him. And we got in there. But I bring this up because I'm sitting there, you know, and, and we've been grinding all this time. It's been four years for me chasing elk, and it's yeah. what I've what got me into hunting. What I fell in love with was archery elk hunting, and mm -hmm. um, I've got all of these people that are like invested in my story, and th that probably want to see me succeed just as much as I want to succeed myself. And I'm getting in there, and we're we're getting in, and we know there's a a big old. I, he was definitely over 360. I think he may have been a wow. 380 bull. I mean, he was a <laughs> Big, Whopper. big bull. Had all these cows. There's a bunch of little spikes and raghorns around him. And uh, we could hear him. Couldn't see him. And we get into this spot where we can hear him kind of come in our direction. Hear all the elk. And it's like the perfect setup. We got, it's, it's like this, uh, this window open where I have a nice wide window, but it's kind of tight in on us. So they can't see us coming up. Mm -hmm. But I have this window, and it's just 20 yards across. And it's a game trail they have to walk up. I'm like, the perfect setup, waiting for him to come. So we see all these cows coming by. And I'm sitting there in the back of my head. I'm like, I see way down here, I see this raghorn coming. And I'm like, I want him. Yeah. And But then I'm like, I know there's that big bull right. somewhere down there. And if I could have, if I'd seen that big bull, there would have been no question. If I, if I could see him with my eyes yeah. rather than just hear him, there would have been no question I would have gone for him. But I'm sitting there and I'm like... Am I going to take this raghorn? And the and I was sitting there questioning it, and I realized it was pride, and it was me wanting to show off having a big bull that even made me question that for a uh, second. Mm -hmm. And we all have uh, that go through our head. <laughs> and I'm glad it was only a split second, and because and I, it, it was the thought that I came down to. I'm like, if that big bull doesn't come up. Will I be able to live with myself after this hunt if I don't take this raghorn? I'm like, I will never forgive myself if I don't take this raghorn, so I'm going to effing take it now. <laughs> um, and, oh, my gosh, I ran about 40 yards up the hill and piled up. And, I mean, that was the easiest pack out. Cool. It was all, all downhill to the truck. <laughs> That's what you want. <laughs> we had to hike back up with empty packs and downhill to the truck. Oh. Um, 
But well, I tell you what, tastes damn good. Everybody has that go through their head. I don't care how much you've hunted. Those little weird thoughts go through your head. And for me, you know, the, the reason I'm so hard on myself for last year of me letting all that mess mess with my mind and and uh I, I got the end result I deserved because I know better than to let that happen. Uh, but that's just years and years of experience of saying, you know what, I hunt for myself now. There was a time when I felt that, oh, well, what are my buddies going to think? Or, boy, I'd really like to send a picture of that big buck to my dad, you know. Uh, then over time, you just come to the realization that, it's your tag. It's what you want out of it. It's the experience you want, whether it's you want to shoot the first one you see or you want to hunt the whole season and throw the tag in the trash. It, For me, that is one of the beauties of hunting. And over time and, and experience, you get better at carving away those little fingers that try to creep into your into your mind uh and interrupt that experience that it's for you and about you your your tag and your hunt uh so it had been a long time before i or since i'd had that in my head and it wasn't so much about a pride factor or anything it was just is the audience gonna think that i'm you know succumbing to the pressure that i gotta fill a tag well if you watch enough of our stuff you know that that's <laughs> not a huge issue because we we have plenty of hunts where we don't fill tags and i'm fine with those i i you know like i said this is the story of hunting and and i don't think it's realistic that every story we try to tell it's got to have the big one at the end of it that's mm -hmm. we wouldn't have many stories to tell if we only <laughs> only told the stories that had the big buck or the big bull at the end of the story so but i tell you that's one of the cool things about living here in montana too is the opportunity it gives us mm -hmm. to somewhat play those odds a little bit and, and figure out because i mean our our elk season shoot I mean, in some units, we can hunt elk till almost February, right, like right. in a, in a couple of like extended units. And, yeah, that's crazy. Um, you know, and I, I was just kind of thinking about this year, and uh, things have been just wild this year with the move and with my my business and all of this stuff. And so I had all these grand plans. I'm like, you know, I always love going down to Arizona for archery mule deer. That's one of my favorite things to do. Okay. Is that over the counter tag, and mm -hmm. especially if you can throw a javelina on top of that. Right. Um, so I always. I was planning on going down and doing that in August and then coming up and doing uh, later in the month and doing some uh, pronghorn in Wyoming. I was going to burn, burn my points there. Uh, I had, um, I, was, I had Jim Zumbo on the podcast mm. and he was like, Oh, come on up. Well, yeah. you've never, you've never hunted pronghorn before. <laughs> well, we're going to hunt some pronghorn. I'm like, okay. Uh, Jim um, is a great guy. Oh yeah. What a character. And, uh, and so then I was going to do that, and then I was going to come back, you know, for elk season here, and have you know elk and mule deer the rest of the year, and bear, and then waterfowl, and this and that, and you know that's not even counting the spring season I had planned. Yeah, none of that's happened. Life got in the way. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> just looking, you know, I, I got all my tags and stuff from Montana and my license, and I mean, you go, jeez, the amount we get here. Oh, for embarrassing spend what like 250 bucks for your your license literally every single tag and everything you can possibly everything. do i mean i left when i bought all my tags this winter 
Well, it's our, our license year ends starts again March 1st, I believe. Yeah, it's so like it's, something like it's weird. weird. Yeah. So I go in there, I get my sportsman's license with bear. So that includes deer, elk, bear, upland bird, fishing. And then I throw on my trapping license, my state access stamp. Uh, you know, I don't even know what else I bought. <laughs> I, I, was, you just kind of hit all the check boxes. I, yeah, well, yeah, I said every the same as last go, year, yeah. you know. And I don't think it was more than 140 bucks. Oh my gosh, it's it's, it, it's embarrassing yeah. almost. You look at that, and then you look at other states like in Nevada, a resident for an elk tag is like 300 bucks or mm-hmm. something like that. They in Montana, they'd well, be they'd be lighting up the phone lines or something. But yeah, in Montana, we are blessed beyond blessed with amount of opportunity we have. the The interesting part for me. And I've noticed this heavily with COVID. Everybody wants to get outdoors. Mm-hmm. Have you seen how many tourists we have here the last oh, two yeah. years? I, I run an Airbnb in my oh, guest room. You? Oh, I've well, been. You I've know had then. maybe four days where I haven't been booked since February. Yeah, so you know it's crazy how many people are wanting to get out, just mm-hmm. get out in the woods <clears throat> to the to the river, to the lake, to the whatever. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, you know what? We're our, if you want to call it infrastructure or our systems, our our lands and, and public access, I don't know if it was built for the volume of use it's been getting the last year, year and a half. So I don't know if this well, is going to slowly. <laughs> they changed Glacier now, I think, to a reservation system. Some, I heard I something heard to that, that effect. Just the other day. And I'm yeah. like, wait, Glacier? Like, yeah. It's, the whole point is just you can cruise in and like. I geez. I talked to some people who were up in Yellowstone. And they asked me if I wanted to come with. I'm like, you know what? Every time I got family or friends, I get to play tour guide in Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. I'll pass if you don't mind. Uh, but they came back through a couple of days later. They're like, it's chaos. There, there's the facilities like restrooms and any oh, yeah. of that stuff. The, there's you know the stores that are up there are operated by a you know a, a company has the the concession contract there i guess they can't keep any inventory for drinks and snacks oh, yeah. and it's like wow <laughs> we're i don't know i wonder if it's, it'll last if if this is you know a bubble that like a lot we've seen bubbles before i've never seen a bubble this big yeah and i don't know how you know is it going to go away well, we'll have to see. All I know is I am very glad to be a resident here now <laughs> and and paying resident tag prices because there's a reason our, our tag prices are so fantastic because I've been a non-resident right. here and I know how much it costs. Montana wrote the book on how to lay the pipe to the non-resident. And I tell it's, people that, you know, our ratio of resident to non-resident fees is the highest in the West. It just... How it's how it has been in Montana. I'll tell you what. Even as a non-resident, though, coming out here, and mm-hmm. you know, everybody's probably listening to this section of the podcast and going, "Shut up, shut up!" <laughs> oh yeah, there's some. They're, they're all saying, "Don't go there." <laughs> but, but even as a non-resident, like you know, I think it was like twelve hundred bucks for my sportsman's life for the the elk, mule deer, fishing, mm-hmm. the basic stuff. More than worth it. Like especially as somebody that that hunts non-resident. On a regular basis, like, yeah. you know, Arizona, whether it's Arizona, Idaho, Colorado, whatever. Yeah. I mean, 
you get that full season. You get so much opportunity right. here, and you can hunt effectively the entire state for, you know, you may not be able to chase bulls. Right. It depends on the license you get and yeah. uh, or the tags you get. And But you're paying, what, six, 700 bucks for an out-of-state yeah. license and elk tag already. Yeah, and that's what you get three weeks to hunt. Well, in Colorado, <laughs> on- Colorado, you know, some of their seasons are five to nine days. Yeah, and you're paying six hundred and some bucks. And here, you know, we we got six weeks of archery followed. We give them a five day break, and then five weeks of rifle. Yep. For mo- like you said, most of the state for deer and elk. That's. And then if you are really feeling frisky, like even in that five-day break, some units mm-hmm. have that shoulder season where you can yeah. still take your bow out. And there was like two or three units up until February, I remember looking, that have a shoulder season. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you're so limited on what you're able to, you're so limited on what you're able to, uh, to hunt those. But still, yeah. you know, you got a, you got a tag and you want to yeah. fill that freezer with a cow. Heck yeah. Go do it. Yeah. And that's, that's what I'm excited about this year is, yeah, I don't have a ton of tags, and, like, I want to chase a bull, but I've also gotten really used to having a freezer full of elk meat. Yeah. Like, I, I've, you know, I've taken some stuff before and had a little bit here and there, but I'm really used to having a freezer full of elk meat right now. Yeah. And, and I was sitting there, I'm like, I don't have as much time to dedicate to hunting this year. Am I just going to go ahead and shoot a cow? I'm like, okay, I'm in Montana now. I'm going to take all of archery season. I'm going to chase a bull. I'm going to chase a nice bull. All mm-hmm. of archery season. Second rifle season hits, I'm grocery shopping. Yeah. The first first thing I have an opportunity at is going down, getting processed, going in the freezer, and then oh, I'm chasing the old deer. When you asked earlier, there's sometimes when I don't bring cameras. Yeah, I go hunt white tail those every year. And like when you use the term grocery shopping, that's the term mm-hmm. I use for it. And in my CPA life, you know, I'm blessed to have so many great clients who they have an overabundance of white-tailed does nice. and i call them i'm like hey can i come out and shoot a couple white-tailed does you only want to shoot two <laughs> well I, yeah that's probably you know i got a lot of other meat but i share a lot of meat too uh with the employees here with uh neighbors and friends and stuff so uh yeah we're we're lucky there was a time in montana it was like in the late nineties. I think we were allowed ninety nine white tail doe tags. It's like why the hell put a number on it? I mean who's gonna At that point, yeah. Yeah, I think it was just because before Y two K the computers only accepted two digits. Yeah. Otherwise they would have, you know, said nine hundred and ninety nine. I don't know. <laughs> uh, that that was there for a year or two. And I I'm like, how many white dildo tags do you really need? Ninety nine white. Oh uh, now gosh. I, I think we're allowed one, one white. Like I, I applied for a white dildo tag, and then I can buy another over the counter region wide white tail. So mm-hmm. I can, I'll have two of them, two white dildo tags this yeah. year. I've got a, I've got a couple of buddies with, with some property and some ranches, and they, they guide and they do a, mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff. And, but I think if it gets down towards the end of the year and I just want to, I just want to hammer, put the hammer down on a on a cow or something mm-hmm. like that. I could probably call them up and. Yeah, usually they're wanting to get a few thinned out before winter because we know what happens to haystacks and such in the mm-hmm. winter time. Right. So that's you know the other part. I've 
I've come to realize the blessing of living in a state where you have good resident opportunity like Montana, Idaho, Wyoming. Uh, you can kind of shoot for the stars a little bit in your out-of-state applications yep. because you have this safety net of, well, I already got an elk tag here yeah. in Montana. You know, I, I'll swing for the fences in Nevada or Utah or whatever it might be. And so a lot of people ask me, how is it that you've been so lucky to draw all these tags? Well, a couple of reasons. One, I started doing this multi-state my one friend says i carpet bomb the west with mm -hmm. applications uh and i started that in 1995 so i i built a lot of points in a lot of states oh, yeah. and some i've burned and i'm back you know kind of working through the systems again but it was always the fact that i knew i had a deer and elk tag in montana so all right i'll I'll try for a harder to draw tag in the other states. And so that was one of the blessings that I, again, I think Montana hunters, maybe Wyoming, Idaho, we take a little bit for granted. I mean, go talk to Nevada people or yeah. uh, Utah people, New Mexico, Arizona, Oregon. I mean, if you don't luck out in the draws, you're tagging along and you're going to be the cook at someone else's elk mm -hmm. camp is what your taste elk hunting is going to be that year so well i'll tell you coming from california we had a lot of opportunity in california mm -hmm. and prices weren't awful for residents but i mean definitely a lot a lot more expensive than here um and we had opportunity for a few things like i was pretty much guaranteed a deer tag every yeah. year like there's you know no question i'd put in for the draw but i i don't think i ever didn't draw what i put in for as far as deer yeah uh, you know, we got pig, we got, you know, waterfowl, we got a ton of great stuff, mm -hmm. but anything past that, right. you know, I mean, you're spending, you're spending 14 to 17 years trying to draw a, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, trying to draw an elk tag. Yeah. And if, and if you draw an elk tag and you go hunt Rockies or Roosevelt's in California, you're an idiot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You want to hunt two leads or yeah. something if you can. Yeah. Yeah. I, you'll get a kick out of this no matter which platform you look at for our analytics our number one audience is california mm -hmm. and i show that to ad agencies whether it's the podcast our forum our youtube content whatever it is they're like how can this be there isn't much hunting in california uh well you know, they say that one and a half to two percent of Californians hunt. Well, guess what? When you multiply that by 34 or 35 million people, that's a lot of folks. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. And my number two state usually is Texas, which, again, mm -hmm. really big population, more of a more of a known hunting culture there than California. But because they don't have hardly any public land it's quite expensive that you know mm -hmm. if you live there you're gonna have a lease if you're gonna hunt that's just a reality of life yeah you know there's and if i live there i can assure you i would have a lease because i like to mm -hmm. hunt that much that's just how it would be uh so when i look at the demographics of or you know we call them the geo demos the the geographic demographics uh it's really really uh eye-opening for me to oh, yeah. see 
where folks are interested and then I can drill down even further to see what videos got consumed because even a certain video or a certain podcast I can get that data and sometimes it's you know I'll have a whole bunch of people from Colorado who watch it more than Texas more than whatever so uh I'm I'm not that surprised that you, you say when you say that you had you know pretty decent hunting in California well, there's, you know, and it's, again, even in Southern California, there's a lot of incredible opportunity. And the community there, I think so much of it is the community there. You almost kind of, as a hunter in California, almost kind of pride yourself on being like, yes, I'm the only hunter in California. I'm, I'm on my own. <laughs> it's like, it's a little, there's a little bit of that mindset because it is difficult to talk to people about it. it uh but I think the community there, because of I mean, just the constant attacks on it, and, yeah. um, and you know, it's they can't always attack firearms, so they'll attack hunting to get at the firearms people and stuff like you know, with the mountain lion hunting, they just right. recently banned the bobcat hunting. Yeah. And, you know, Use of dogs, trapping yeah. is gone. Yeah, uh, you know, it's yeah, and you know, we still have, we have some of the best bear hunting. I mean, it, up yeah, in Northern California. Amazing incredible bear hunting. bear hunting yeah but you can't can't trap you can't bait you can't dogs i mean i yeah. i per, that's not my style anyway mm-hmm. but but yeah it's there's a reason our our we <laughs> our, we never reach our bear quotas right. every year it's tough to do yeah, uh, yeah well, it's, we're, we are lucky in montana that is for sure i mean archery antelope season starts a week from mm-hmm. when week from monday something soon i I know my neighbor and his i can't remember if it's my neighbor or his son that drew one of them one Uh, of them drew a nice tag yeah it's a week from sunday so yeah august 15th people will be out archery pronghorn hunting and then you know 20 days later they're out elk hunting yeah that i'm so far behind with elk season so far behind with my my shooting I've been shooting all summer, but I I had a really bad case of COVID this winter, and I'm still bearing the lingering effects of that. So my physical conditioning right now is so bad. This will be the worst cardio <laughs> uh, level I've ever had entering a hunting season, but oh well. I think I'm at about the same spot. <laughs> you been, don't look like it. Then. Well, I've <laughs> I, I have I've been working through some stuff with with Hill with Hill Lampers. Okay. So I got well. I, I signed on signed on with her, and so she's got me on a regimen, and I'm I'm starting to get the health back. Cool, uh, but I just not in quite enough time to have the cardio level up. I mean, yeah. I can plug along all day long. Yeah. But that doesn't mean by the end of it I won't be wheezing like a, oh, yeah. I'll be like a sixty year smoker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll be. I'll sound like one of those seals down on the harbor that barks and you know, <laughs> flops around. That'll be me. But oh well, I'll I'll be giving it my best effort. I I am blessed that south of town where I live, I have a a spare lot next to my house that you know in today's real estate environment. People realize I have this vacant lot, and Bozeman being as crazy as it is, I get calls all the time. I'll buy your lot. I have a client who wants to buy your lot. No, that's my archery range. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm sure they're thinking, does this knucklehead know how much he could sell his archery range for? (laughs) But 
I don't really care. I like getting up in the morning before I have my coffee, walk over, shoot my nine arrows. I shoot three up 40, 30, 20. And then come back over the lunch hour, shoot nine more. And then after dinner, shoot nine more. It's, it's not just the archery part of, you know, the practice and the form and everything that means a lot to me. If ever I'm just wanting to clear my mind, mm-hmm. I either go for a hike or I go shoot my bow. And we're so blessed to live in a place where, you know, you can do some of those things without having to drive for an hour to get oh, to yeah. some place you can do it. So I'm, uh, yeah. <laughs> Next person, they're, they're getting close though, Sam. Pretty soon someone's going to offer a dollar amount where it's like, you know what? I'll go find another <laughs> range. These, these people are stupid. <laughs> I'm like, whatever. Yeah. If, if that's what you want, you know? Oh, well. So say somebody's not lucky enough to be a Montana resident. And if mm-hmm. they're looking for opportunity, they want to they wanna be hunting elk and mule deer every year. They, they just want to get out as much as possible. Mm-hmm. What, what, kind of, what kind of strategy should they be looking at? Mm-hmm. I, I get asked this a ton. And I tell people, first thing you got to do is define what your budget is, financial budget and your time budget. And then have a short-term, a mid-term, and a long-term plan for whatever species it is that interests you. Um, there's some states where you always have a fallback plan. Like Colorado has over-the-counter elk, second and third rifle seasons in a lot of units, has a lot of over-the-counter archery seasons. So you can be building points or throwing your name in the hat in states that don't even have a point system. Say New Mexico, you know, there's mm-hmm. no point system. It's 65 bucks for a license to apply. Well, you never know if you're going to draw. And if you don't, you go to Colorado or, you know, maybe Wyoming. You say, well, I'm just going to pay my $50 and buy a point every year until I got six or seven points or three points or whatever. And off you go. So it really is sitting down and saying, what does my budget allow for? You know, some some people approach it really unrealistically. They're like, wow. I want Nevada, Utah, and an early rifle elk tag in Arizona. Wow. <laughs> the, you know, lightning might strike, and you might draw that with in, less than 20 points. Enjoy your first hunt in 20 years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I tell people, you're, if that's your strategy, you are missing out on so much between now and when you might eventually someday, if ever draw one of those tags you you're not having the experiences you're not building your knowledge about elk and the mountains Mm -hmm. and the other hunting um so and i tell people if you just want to come out and get familiar with the west uh antelope tags are easiest to draw in most states or whitetail tags so a lot of the things you're going to have to understand to hunt antelope or hunt whitetails is translatable to elk and mule deer where okay we got some weird land ownership patterns here how the tag system works you know how thermals work how you know travel management plans there's just a lot of stuff that's a little bit foreign if you've never hunted out west it's like what do you mean i can't drive my atv over there Mm-hmm. No, we have travel management plans. You got to stay on designated open roads and trails. Or, what do you mean I can't this or I can't that? So, there's just a lot of stuff I think that translates really well. So, don't don't discount the idea of coming out and hunting. You know, 
like I said, whitetails or, or antelope. But if it's elk, male deer, whatever, even if antelope's your, your gig, have a short, mid, and long-term plan. And well, that's, that's, you know, that's kind of what I ended up doing is, uh, you know, my long-term plan's always been Arizona, and I ended up drawing that on three points for elk <laughs> and still building the mule deer tags yeah. or the mule deer points. But then I'd apply in, uh, always apply in New Mexico. I have a credit card, especially for applying in New Mexico, yeah. that uh, is low interest that I don't have to worry about paying off and typically just get that money back. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah then I would I would put in for like every year for either Colorado or Idaho, which is, I could pretty much be guaranteed. All, Idaho's gotten a lot harder to draw as a non-resident yeah. for elk now. Yep. And, and then, you know, yeah. I look at some of the states, you got to buy a non-resident license just to apply. But there's some states you don't, you know, like Wyoming, you don't have to buy the non-resident license to apply. You just, you got to send yep. all the money in, but. Well, and uh, that's with Wyoming. I would just, you know, just because I, a lot of other states I'd put in regardless, rather than just buying mm-hmm. a point, just on the off chance. Right. But Wyoming, I just, I was kind of like, oh, I'm not ready yet mm-hmm. for that. So I'd just buy a point. And typically by that time, right. I'm, I usually just forgot to put into the draw and I missed it. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I'll, oh, excuse me. I need more coffee this morning. Uh, I also tell people that if you do buy the non-resident license to build points, you may as well throw your hat in the ring mm-hmm. that year instead of just buying a point. Unless you just know there's no way your schedule will allow it because you never know when your when your lucky year comes up i mean well so. a, a point zero one percent of a chance <laughs> what's, still what's better than a zero percent so you're telling me there's a chance <laughs> 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 yeah what was that show what were those two goofy guys oh my gosh uh dumb and dumber yeah yeah <laughs> uh, so you're saying there's a chance <laughs> yeah but and it's like arizona you've got that license and that's why i would always go down this year i'm not I particularly didn't do it also because they they did the draw earlier this year and I actually still had my license from last, last the year. year prior yeah. so I could put in for the draw. I didn't draw and I'm like, well, I'm not buying a new license now. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it, We usually go down there archery coos deer hunting. I've never done the archery mule deer uh, over the counter. They changed that a lot this year because – uh, this is weird when you look at the numbers. Uh, Arizona has a policy that if more than 20% of the harvest is coming from archery, they put the archery on limited entry. Hmm. So uh, as the drought has dropped total numbers, they've dropped rifle tags. So the rifle harvest is a smaller number, but and yeah, the, the archery now. stayed the same in the, 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 uh, uh, what you call it, harvest rates. I don't know what created this big spike in harvest rates in the last few years with archery in Arizona. So those mule deer, a lot of those got moved over to limited entry this year. Hmm. So they're not over the counter. Coos deer, good luck over exploiting the resource yep. with a bow with coos deer. We, we always go down and do that. And last year, Marcus in our office, finally, after our four or five years of being down there, he finally shot one of them. That's the first time any of us have ever taken one. So, uh, that's but one you thing. know, your buddy Ryan Lampers, he came down one year. I'd met Ryan a couple times. And he said, hey, I might be down there. You mind if I stop by where you're at? No, sure. Stop by. Uh, 
first day he goes out, he shot this ridiculously big coos buck. I'm like, I didn't know they got that big, right? <laughs> <laughs> but that doesn't surprise yeah. me with him. He's, Jeez, yeah. You, you put a bow in his hand and there's a deer that's in trouble. It's, I remember, I'm not sure if I've told this story of the podcast before. I came out uh, last year for Western Hunting Summit. And uh, I was I was staying at their place. I was helping them out with some stuff. And I go, oh, just come crash in our guest room. I'm like, awesome. So I come in, and they're like, yeah, you know, we moved in. We've got most of the stuff hung up. We got got the the big elk, you know, hung up on the wall, and got the small stuff down in the basement. And so then a little bit later, we're walking down, and again, the small stuff in the basement is bigger than any elk I've ever seen. And they're all just like stacked up, like just yeah. nothing. I'm like, oh my gosh, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, some people have it. I'm not one of those people. Sam. I'm, I, uh, Oh well, I have a lot of fun doing it though. That's but those coo- those coos deer. I that's one hunt I've been telling myself I want to do for the past four years, uh-huh. and I, just, I haven't been able to get down because I would, you know, I was on limited time before, so I'd just be kind right. of rushing in, and it was easy to get to the mule deer units. Uh-huh. It takes a little bit longer for me to get down to the others, but yeah. I've been talking with. Uh, do you know Corey Ford and Shannon Mobs? Uh-huh. Yeah, I, Angry I, Spike Production. Yeah, I yeah. love those guys so oh, much. Great guys, two of the greatest guys I know. Yeah. Actually, so they were at Big Sky. Um, yeah. I saw, got to see them for a second. Um, they've bugged me a few Januaries about uh, mm-hmm. coming down for um, for Havelina in yeah. in Coos Deer, and it's just I've never been able to do it. And every time I'm, I'm like just on the verge of just dropping everything, <laughs> okay, screw the responsibilities, and just hauling ass down. Going but. with Shannon and Corey would be two really good guys to go with. Oh yeah, uh, don't go with Randy. <laughs> uh, there's a reason I get so excited when I shoot a jackrabbit down there because it's about the only thing I ever <laughs> ever get. But uh, now they're, they're Shannon and Corey are really good guys. I bump into them down there once in a while. They'll text me, "Hey, you down this year?" Yeah, uh, they've been doing it quite a while. They, oh yeah. So they, you, you gotta, you gotta have your A game on to get out in front of those guys. So. It's a wild, it's a wild trip. They've had some good stories. I've had them on the podcast a couple of times, and they uh, uh, a year or two ago we talked about they had a good, an interesting hunt, and they got the two locked up. Here. I'm not sure if you saw that. No, um, I didn't. They got, uh, they've been hunting, and they they wanted to get, um, you know, they wanted to get get their their coos deer, and they ended up finding these two that were locked up, like just wow. irreparably locked up, and they. Yeah. And it was one of those things where they're like, okay, this isn't how we want to do it. But one, they're nice, they're nice bucks. Yeah. Two, these things are going to be dead. Right. Like, and so they they took them, and um, and we talked we talked a little bit about that. It was it was a really cool, really huh. cool story. But uh, you know, I've never in all my hunting, when I've had a tag in my pocket, I take that back. Arizona, when I had the Arizona strip mule deer tag, two bucks were just tearing it up. But neither of them were. They were nice bucks, but when you have an Arizona strip tag, it's like you, you want, want a little more really, than nice really bucks. nice. So <laughs> uh, I did watch them fight, and my goodness, did they get after it, just ripping it up. Uh, but other than that, I've never encountered like really, yeah. And uh, I know a lot of people who have, but I never have. Even with elk or? Mm-mm. I mean, I've seen them jousting and, you know, you hear them clacking and doing some things, but never just this 
tearing the hell out of everything. Just kind the ground's of fight. getting ripped up, and they're yeah. locked, and somebody's never, getting a tine in the side by the time it's right. done. I've never encountered any of that. But maybe this year. Who knows? Yeah, now that you said it. I'm, I'm hoping I find two great big bull moose locked up here in Montana. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the, the configuration of their antlers are such. I don't think they get locked up much. But, uh, you so, never know. No, I've seen it's... cartoons, man. I've seen cartoons about moose getting locked up, so it must be true. <laughs> uh, I'm excited to to go do it. And, you know, the whole period of hunting uh, that we do where we capture our content, it is a good mind-clearing exercise for me. It forces me to walk away from the connections of Internet, computers, and, mm-hmm. you know, most of the time we're out of service. And so I don't have the... You know, every five minute distraction. And it's really, really powerful time for me to get my mind where I like to be. This, you know, I'm thinking about people, stories, landscapes, animals, and how blessed I am to have the life I live, to have been born in an amazing country that something like this could be my daily life. I mean, if you if if I was a senior in high school back in 1983 and you gave me a pen and paper and said Randy you get to draw out your life what what you will be doing at age you know I started this when I was 43 uh, here's what you want to be doing at age 50 I couldn't have even dreamed such a wonderful experience it didn't even exist in my mind at the time so when people hear me say what a country i say that to try cheer them up and get their perspective a little bit but i truly mean it that i don't know any other place i could live where the things that i get to do today could have happened to some snotty nosed (laughs) little punk from a logging town in big name big falls minnesota so all right, so we got the TV show, we got the message board, we've got the podcast. Yeah. Where can where can people just find everything? Hunt you down. Well, I'll start with our biggest one. That's YouTube. You know, our channel there is Randy Newberg Hunter, uh, and then we have the podcast called Hunt Talk Radio. We have the podcast I do with Corey called Elk Talk Podcast. Um, we have the big forum called uh, hunttalk.com. Uh, and then out on social media, I use the same handle on all those, Randy Newberg Hunter. Uh, and there's a funny story behind that. Linda Reynolds, sorry to rat you out, Linda, but she's one of my great friends. One of my, was one of my best clients, super successful businesswoman. Uh, she'd come into my office and she could never get a hold of me in hunting season. <laughs> Because I was gone. So one day I come back and she has crossed out Randy Newberg CPA on my business card and wrote Hunter underneath it. And I called her and I'm like, you have come up with what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> She's like, well, I thought that's what you were out doing. I'm like, that's what I was out doing. <laughs> so from that point on, I was Randy Newberg Hunter. How about that CPA stuff? So out on 
Instagram, Facebook, it's Randy Newberg Hunter. <laughs> I love that that's how I, I the know. name, the official name came yeah. about. But Yeah, I mean, you know, most people are like MD, JD, blah, you know, BMF, you know, whatever else they want to be. Not me, man. I'm, the pinnacle of life for me was when I got rid of all those acronyms and just said Hunter at the end of it. So, uh, you know, pretty soon we're getting ready to launch a a membership uh, platform just because so many people have asked for it. They're like, you know, I'm tired of sitting through ads or I'm tired of, mm-hmm. of paying for content with my privacy and my personal information. So uh, starting in September, I don't know when this podcast will drop, but starting in September, we'll have a new platform called Fresh Tracks Plus. It'll be a subscription membership-based platform for people who... You know, all our other stuff will still be there, but this is just like you, you add you on options, a little bit right? Perfect. When when new new uh, platforms become available, people adopt them, and if you want to be where the people are that like your content, you gotta add more platforms and add more platforms. I don't know how many platforms I'll have by the time they throw me out of here, Sam. I'll, <laughs> hard to say. But uh, so that Fresh Tracks Plus, you can find that out at, I think our URL for that is freshtracks.tv. Um, and other than that, you know. Is the, the show still on Amazon? Yeah. Uh, you can, you know, it's weird. All of the small platform stuff, in other words, anything that's not like big Hollywood production stuff, even though our numbers on Amazon were really, really good, uh, this spring they converted them all to a rent or buy option only. So you can find us out there on Amazon Prime, but now they make it, you got to either rent it or buy it. Buy it, you download it. And quite honestly, I can't believe how many people are paying Amazon $28 a season to download it. I'm like, whoa, that's crazy. But maybe I've been undervaluing our content (laughs) all along. I don't know. But I can assure you that over on our Fresh Tracks Plus platform, it's not going to be $28 a season. (laughs) Because there's going to be, let's see, nine seasons of Fresh Tracks and four seasons of On Your Own. So there will be 13 seasons over there. And there will be... All kinds of other content there too. That's why it's the plus part. Nice. So, but yeah, we, I forgot the Amazon thing. Thanks for mentioning that. But, uh, I don't know if, if all, all these people paying for your content, we may have to add a new acronym. Just add PBD to the end there. PBD. A pretty big deal. <laughs> you know, these guys, I got all these young guys who I work with here. They use the term OG. I finally, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm like, what the hell does OG mean? <laughs> Like, huh? You don't? I'm like, could you tell me? I guess it's like old guard or old original original gangster. Okay, Uh, see, I already you're the original gangster. Yeah. So, uh, like, uh, I'm sorry you had to explain. What what do you call it? PBD. PBD, pretty big deal. Oh. I, I just literally, that, that, that is not actually a thing. I just made that you up. Made that right? up. Yeah. Well, there, you should patent that. Uh, that's yours. I don't uh, know. It probably is a thing. Somebody's probably like, I nah, I, I'm just blessed that we've had an audience that supports us uh, wherever we're at and whatever we produce. We find new people who are interested in what we're doing. And, and so I don't ever see myself standing still. Anytime new platforms come out, I'm going to be experimenting with them and figuring out 
how can we make this work for our content to the audience that likes listening or watching or whatever. So, All right. So to close it out, uh-huh. if somebody came up to you at Dairy Queen, mm-hmm. you know, you guys both ordered a dilly bar. You're like, oh, hey, look, we both got yeah. a dilly. Um, and you're talking, and they find out you're a hunter. And they say, you know, I've always wanted to do that. Yeah. I, that is something I've always wanted to do, but I don't know anyone that does it. I have no history in it. I, there's so much, way too much to learn. It's too intimidating. I don't know if that's something I can actually do. Yeah. What, you know, as you guys are enjoying your ice cream, what, would you, what advice would you give that person? I'd say, well, you're already over the biggest hump. The biggest hump is deciding that this is intriguing. This is, I want responsibility for my own food. I want to go out and learn the, you know, when I hike a landscape, I never see it in the full depth as when I'm hunting it. So just making that decision and being interested in it is, that's a hard decision for a lot of people. So once somebody does that, I would just give them, you know, my basics of what I think might be helpful, but I'd point them to a lot of platforms and directions. And in today's world, it's getting better and better. We still got to do a better job, but there's so much out there on the internet, whether it's video, whether it's blogs, content, forums, you know, there are Facebook private pages or, you know, groups, whatever they call them, about everything related to hunting. Uh, and I would do everything I could to encourage them to follow that interest and say, you know, here's, here's where it led me. I'm not saying it's going to lead everybody to the same place. Well, it'll lead all of us to different places, but I can assure them that the responsibility that comes with acquiring your own food, being connected to the land, the way that you are when you hunt or the water, when you fish, uh, is unique. And it's going to force you to look at the world a little differently than maybe you had before. And all those will be positive things. So that's that probably what I'd say my diddly bar might melt in the amount of time I'm going to take. And I, I try, <clears throat> unlike the crew, when we're traveling on the road, we bump into a lot of people who see us. And we got to be somewhere at some time. But if someone's asking me questions, it's all I can do to not stay there and try to answer as much as I can. And the crew's like, hey, tapping their wristwatch, like, <laughs> we're late, we're late. <laughs> I get it, I know. But this person, you know, we're we're here creating, you know. Well, it all comes back to your advocates. main purpose you have written on the board, right? <clears throat> right. We're creating advocates. And as Grandma used to say, you can't do missionary work in the church. You got to get down to the bars and the back alleys. So. <laughs> That's where the missionary work happens. So, Well, I am so glad that we got to take the time. Three years in the making. Yeah. Sorry, Sam. I <laughs> no need to apologize at all. Well, I'm glad we got to do it also and keep doing what you're doing. Awesome. And, uh, Thank you so much. You taking the time. Thanks for everyone for listening. All right, y'all, that'll do it for this episode of The Wild Initiative. Make sure to check out the show notes page at thewildinitiative.com. Get links to everything we talked about in today's episode. Big thank you to Randy again for taking the time out of his very, very packed schedule to sit down with me and uh, have a, just a fantastic conversation. Hopefully, we'll get to do it again uh, sooner than three years from now. Uh, but uh, y'all, that'll do it for this week. Looking forward to next time, but until then, I hope this episode inspired you to get involved, get outdoors, and plan your initiative for the wild. 
Thank you for listening to the Wild Initiative. Please take a moment to leave a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher and head on over to thewildinitiative.com to get show notes, check out the blog, gear discounts, other podcasts from the Wild Initiative family, and more. 